0: DiscerningHearts.com presents The Doctors of the Church The Charism of Wisdom with Dr. Matthew Bunsen Dr. Bunsen serves as the faculty chair of the Catholic Distance University He is also a senior fellow at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology He is the author or co-author of over 45 books including The Pope Encyclopedia the Encyclopedia of Catholic History, the Encyclopedia of Saints, the Encyclopedia of U.S. Catholic History, and Pope Francis. Dr. Bunsen serves as a senior contributor for EWTN. The Doctors of the Church, the Charism of Wisdom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Matthew.
1: It's wonderful to be with you again, Chris.
0: Today we talk about St. Hilary of Portier. When did he become a doctor of the church?
1: Yeah, Hilary was proclaimed a doctor of the church in 1851 uh, by Pope Pius IX.
0: He lived during what time period?
1: Yeah, uh, Hilary lived uh, from around 300 to around 368, so he lived in the 4th century.
0: Now, exactly where is Portier?
1: West-Central France, and uh, it's in one of the most beautiful parts of the country, in fact, uh, if, if we think of the, uh, it's called the uh, Poitou-Charente region, and it, it's, it's lovely, and the the history of the city is it's very ancient, obviously, and it was founded originally by the Picts, in fact, that's where the name comes from, so at the time that uh, Hilary of Poitiers was alive, And we're talking about somebody uh, who lived from about 300 to around 368. Uh, It was actually known uh, under the Roman name of Pictavium, after the local Celtic tribes who lived there. So it was a a fairly prominent city in that part of uh, what was then Gaul and uh, became, as a result, largely of the influence of Hillary, a a very prominent sea, especially in the 4th century.
0: He was from a wealthy family, Yes.
1: Uh, He was uh, a rather uh, prominent family of pagans, and it was because of that uh, that he received, uh, for at at the time, a a solid education. Uh, And this is important to note because this is going to have some importance uh, later in his life. Uh, He studied Greek. Now that was in the fourth century, uh, pretty unusual because Latin, of course, was the dominant language in the West. Mm-hmm. But as I said, this is going to be something to make note of right now, uh, because it's, it's going to play a decisive role, I think, in his work, and, and one of the reasons that he's a doctor of the Church.
0: What led to his conversion?
1: Well, in the life of Hillary, uh, we can see play out one of the, the, the dramas that was taking place with so many pagans in that time. You know, the, the Christian Church had undergone these terrible persecutions. And around the time of his birth, uh, we know that uh, the persecutions slowly began to die out. Uh, You had the end of the great persecutions under Emperor Diocletian, and then the freeing of the church. You still had, however, a predominantly pagan culture, especially in the Roman provinces. Gaul uh, was no exception. And so he grew up uh, as a pagan, but he was searching, much like Augustine in the next century. uh, He was somebody who was questing for the truth. He recognized the inclination in himself to find the truth, and he began looking for it. And as a result, uh, he studied philosophy. uh, He studied all of the, the great trends and intellectual fads of the time. And then, one day, he stumbled across uh, the Scriptures. And he says, as as he wrote, he chanced upon uh, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And a couple of verses really struck him right at the start. There was, of course, God's declaration to Moses, I am who I am, from Exodus. And he said that he was stunned uh, to find this clear definition of God. But at the same time, it was God expressing, in human terms, the incomprehensible knowledge of the divine nature, which is what he'd been looking for. You know, this is somebody who practiced the virtues as best he could. But in a, in a lesson, I think, for people today, it wasn't enough. It wasn't simply enough to be a, quote, good atheist or a good pagan. There was still a hole in him in his heart, in his soul. And so he continued to read the scriptures. And then, of course, he read John. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And here he had his introduction to Christ Jesus. And all of these things began to move his soul. And he wrote very famously that uh, no longer did it look upon, he's talking about his soul, The life of this body is troublesome or wearisome, but believed it to be what the alphabet is to children. Mm -hmm. As he put it, the patient endurance of the present trials of life in order to gain a blissful eternity. In other words, he had found the reason for his existence and what was now going to be the aim of his life. So he converted and he was uh, at that point already married. And came into the church and uh, very quickly, after becoming a Christian, uh, became a a most prominent leader of the Christian community in Poitiers. uh, And was soon, of course, elected bishop of Poitiers uh, by the the clergy and the lay people, despite the fact that he was uh, already married and and had a daughter uh, who was named Abra, who herself is ranked among the saints.
0: This time is about... Oh, 350s AD yes and you know for us we have to remember this is a very early church as far as its establishment throughout the world it yeah. is really beginning to take hold and we are in France the area of France where this where Hillary would become the bishop
1: absolutely uh, and and the church is even younger in a place like Gaul than it was elsewhere uh, for two reasons one the the faith had just been arriving in the previous hundred years or so but this is during when it arrived the terrible persecutions especially in the Western Empire uh, by different emperors as I was just mentioning Diocletian and Hilarius uh, waged pitiless merciless persecutions of the church for many many decades So the church was just emerging out of the catacombs, so to speak. And the church, as a result, was also very young. Uh, It is safe to say that most of the people who lived in what was the city that became Poitiers were pagans. And so one of the tasks that he had immediately in front of him was converting this pagan establishment, this pagan culture that he had emerged from. So he knew the path to Christ uh, and one of the hallmarks of his life was being a conciliator, being somebody who could mediate uh, between different factions and groups. And, and that was something that he took upon himself as bishop to begin laying out to the pagans of the region what it was about the Christian faith that had moved him to become a Christian and how their lives could be happier and more f- fulfilled uh, by being Christians. But at the same time, He very quickly encountered what was the great heresy of the era. We talked uh, in our week about St. Athanasius, about the great heresy of Arianism Mm -hmm. and the problems and troubles that it created in the eastern parts of the Roman Empire, the Christian church. St. Hilary is now confronting the, the crisis of Arianism as it was trying to gain foot to plant its roots in the Western church. And that then became one of the central preoccupations of his life as as a bishop. And for that reason, he is known as the Hammer of the Arians and also the Athanasius of the West.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's one thing to have to bring the gospel to those who have never heard it and to give them the message at, in truth as you have received it. It's another thing when in that attempt you're having to deal with others who are giving a twisted version of what they perceive to be the good news. And that's yeah. what was happening with the Arians, the Aryan heresy. Mu-
1: very much so, yeah. And here's another lesson for us today, and that is that we need to present, we, we talk about the new evangelization, present the authentic teachings of a church to what is a largely post-Christian world. Mm-hmm. and it's difficult for us to do that when there are members within our own community who are not teaching the authentic gospel, who are not proclaiming uh, the authentic teachings of the church. So this is a lesson for us as well to remember as, as we try uh, to rebuild Christian civilization and to re- rekindle that apostolic zeal and to have that apostolic courage of the early church, exactly as uh, Saint Hilary did.
0: One thing that we have to appreciate too is the matter of distance, uh, very, very problematic in that day in trying to gather together with the uh, the Church of Rome to be able to gather with other bishops to make sure that those teachings are authentic.
1: Yes, you're absolutely right, and and this, in a way, is is. The, the launching point uh, for his great struggle with, with Arianism because he was seeing in the West various local bishops gathering councils, and some of these local bishops were themselves supporters of the Arian heresy. And they gathered together in, in parts of the West, in Gaul, and condemned, shared in the condemnation of St. Athanasius. And Hilary, who was not fully versed, And at that point, in all of the particulars of the Arian heresy, he knew that this was unorthodox. But the thing that disturbed him the most was the high-handed way that so many of these Arian heretics lived and practiced the faith and dealt with bishops, with clergy, and with lay people. They had this predisposition toward persecutions and lies about their enemies, and he saw those lies for what they were with St. Athanasius, and for that reason— he wrote a very famous letter to Emperor Constantius, who was leading uh, the, the Western Empire and then, and then really pushing for the advocacy of the Aryan heresy. And as a result of that letter, he was actually exiled from his see at Poitiers to the east in 356. And what was at first viewed by Arians as a great triumph, that they had rid themselves of another faithful Orthodox bishop, uh, it turned out to be a total disaster. Because he was exiled to a a region called Phrygia, and there, in his leisurely time, was able to study much more in-depth the the Arian heresy. As I mentioned a little while ago, his knowledge of Greek became very important because he was able to study the Arian teachings as they were elucidated in Greek, which meant in all of the intricacies of theology, especially the defense of Orthodox teachings at the Council of Nicaea in 325, And so he became an expert, basically, in Arian theology, uh, Arian heretical teachings, and, of course, was able to immerse himself very powerfully in the writings of Nicaea, in uh, the the writings of St. Athanasius, and the writings of the Eastern Church, in their original Greek, at a time when the Latin West had not yet mastered all of the theological complexity of much of the theology that was being talked about and discussed in the East. So he became, in that sense, a vital bridge between the Western Church and the Eastern Church uh, long before there was that kind of uh, separation that we have today.
0: We'll return in just a moment to The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts.
2: The Creed I believe in one God Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez,
0: and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world. Listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. How very interesting that here we have what seemed to be a tragedy, that he would be exiled from his people, actually turned out to be the, a great gift and isn't that something we see in our own lives? Things that we we think are disastrous, God brings out such great good because in this can I call it a forced sabbatical? Essentially, there was a greater strength that came about in him. Not only in his knowledge, but I'm sure in his determination.
1: Yes, absolutely. And in the east, from his place of exile, he began speaking. And of course, as a bishop. Uh, in exile but still a bishop he was invited to participate in some of the local councils that were taking place and his letters to the emperors, his letters to other bishops, his letters to the church at large, his letters back home all of them defending Orthodox teachings, refuting the Aryan heresies soon became a major source of annoyance to the Aryan heretics, especially those Arianizing bishops, as they were called in the East, who soon uh, petitioned uh, the emperor uh, to send him back home. Uh, The the writer Sulpicius Severus uh, said that the the emperor grew so tired of dealing with him, of having to put up with his letters and communications and calls for an end to the heresy. He was known as the sower of discord and the disturber of the oriental peace. And it, it gives us a little snapshot as to what an annoyance he had become, that they were actually willing to take the risk of sending him back to his sea rather than have him continuing to do wholesale damage to the Aryan cause in the east. But Hilary was, was a very shrewd man because he had his freedom to go back to his sea, but he did not set out directly for Gaul. Instead, he traveled through Greece and then through Italy and he did this in order to continue preaching to wage that war that spiritual war against the Aryan heresy and by the time he reached Poitiers uh, he was able to largely remain there in peace but he was one of the great and respected figures in the church of his time
0: they sent the hammer home They did. (laughs) And he hammered his way all the way, walking all the way back. A remarkable, remarkable story. And his writings, in particular on the Trinity, they still, can we say, hammer at the heart today?
1: Uh, They do. And there's a beauty to Hillary's work, because in the East, he came across uh, hymns that were used by uh, the Aryans and also by Orthodox Christians as a means of advancing their cause. And this is um, helpful to think about because in these hymns, in the lyrics, you know, we, we hear songs today, even hymns that we sing in church, and how, how much attention do we actually pay to what the lyrics say? Well, the hymns in the East were considered absolutely crucial as a way of expressing teachings. So both the Arians and the Orthodox Christians used them. So Hillary then went about doing the same thing once he got home. He began composing hymns uh, that helped to spread the faith, but also to defend uh, the authentic teachings of the church. And he is honored in that sense as one of the first uh, hymn writers in the Western church, uh, to whom we can actually attribute uh, his name to specific hymns. He was also uh, very interested in exegesis. So he was one of the first composers or writers of a commentary on the Gospel of Matthew in Latin. And then uh, he is the author of probably his greatest work, which is uh, on the Trinity, De Trinitate. And Pope Benedict XVI, in his Marvelous studies on the doctrines of the church Said that for Hillary The starting point for his theological reflections Was always baptismal faith Hillary wrote that Jesus has commanded us to baptize In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit He says that is in the confession of the author Of the only begotten one and the gift The author of all things is one alone for one alone is God the Father, from whom all things proceed. One alone is our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things exist. And one alone is the Spirit. So he adds that, that God knows not how to be anything other than love. He knows not how to be anyone other than the Father. And, and these are really important teachings, I think, that helped to inoculate the West to such a degree uh, from the Arian heresy that's so bedeviled in parts of the church that because of his work and the work of the popes and, and other bishops, but especially because of Hillary's gentle love for authentic teachings, that Arianism never became a major problem in the West.
0: Fascinating. Again, the, the time is 3.50 or so, and he would be very... Influenced, and as you have just told us, wrote a commentary on the Gospel of Matthew. That mm-hmm. the influence of the Gospels, even at that time, the three hundreds, when the canon was just being put together, the power of those Gospels to touch hearts. I think that's a that's a really uh, important thing for us to appreciate the power. Of the scriptures,
1: yes, that that that's it, and here's the other key: because of his background, because of his excellent education, because of his knowledge of Greek, uh, we have in his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, and we can see the same thing with his commentary on the Psalms, a classical approach. In other words. He was, as I mentioned, this is the first Latin commentary on Matthew to, that we know that is extant, or in other words, it has survived from uh, the early church. We can see in it the influence of some of the great Western theologians. Tertullian, for example, early Tertullian. Mm-hmm. You can see also Cyprian. Uh, but he also used uh, the rhetorical devices and style of Cicero, of Pliny, of the Roman historians. And then we can also see in his commentary, his expositions on the Psalms, uh, the influence of someone like Origen. So we're watching in this the kind of evolution of the church's exegesis. In other words, applying the best of literary style of excellence in allegory and the use of history, uh, the proper use of a knowledge of Latin and Greek, and at a time when, as you note, uh, the canon is still in flux, when the work of uh, Jerome is still not complete, and you have the Church still looking uh, for ways to understand Scripture even better. Hillary then pointed the way for generations to follow in style, as I was saying, in the use of language, in the use of history, and then in the best use of literary devices and literary excellence. So that the study of Scripture then was not uh, something that is simply done as an exercise. It really became a way of deepening our faith and our love for the Scriptures, and therefore our love for Christ.
0: Matthew, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to read just an excerpt on the life of Hillary from a Wednesday audience given by Pope Benedict XVI. Oh, absolutely. He would say that fidelity to God is a gift of His grace. Therefore, St. Hillary asks at the end of his tristee on the Trinity, to be able to remain ever faithful to the baptismal faith. It is a feature of this book. Reflection is transformed into prayer, and prayer returns to reflection. The whole book is a dialogue with God. Mm -hmm. It's about relationship, ultimately. I mean, Hillary, even though in all of his study and all of his going out and then engaging people, going out and pilgriming back to Portieres, Really brings home the importance of a personal relationship.
1: It, it does. And for Hillary, too, one of the reasons that he was so successful in bringing about uh, the peace in the West uh, regarding dealing with the heretics uh, that was so tragically absent in the East is his gentleness his ability to develop solid relationships that everyone knew that this was somebody who worked and lived in charity. And therefore he was very successful and the different factions, especially among the Arians because the Arians themselves being classic heretics had divided and then subdivided among themselves arguing over the finer points of, of their version, or heretical versions of Christology, so-called semi-Aryans. And Hillary then, because of his abilities as a mediator, because of his diplomacy, because of his gentleness, because of that ability to develop relationships, was able to convince uh, so many semi-Aryans and, and uh, Orthodox Christians to come together to understand that, in in so many ways, they're actually talking about the same thing. And in that sense, then, he was able to find common cause theologically against the ardent Aryan heretics and to bring about that unity in the West and, in his own way, to promote uh, theological and Christological unity in the East And therefore, he actually had a hand in bringing about the ultimate defeat of the Arian heresy, even in the East.
0: For someone who was termed the hammer of the Arians, your term gentleness keeps coming forward. Yes. It it, it is a great paradox, isn't it?
1: it? It is in the sense, though, that we need as Christians, we need as believers to be faithful to the teachings of the church, to be faithful and obedient to the church, to be absolutely fierce in how we defend the faith, but never to lose sight of charity, to never lose sight of the fact, as St. Hilary said, that God knows not how to be anything other than love. And he demonstrates that when we deal with crises, By being Christ-like and by seeing Christ in others and to help them understand Christ as he truly is, that is the road to success. And while it seems at first a contradiction to be a hammer of Arians, he still loved. And that, I think, is one of the great lessons that we can all take from St. Hilary.
0: How wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Matthew Bunsen.
1: It's a privilege to be with you, Chris. I look forward to our next show.
0: You've been listening to The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it in the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this program has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom with Dr. Matthew Bunsen.